0: Welcome to the Moving in the Right Direction podcast, a podcast designed to successfully guide seniors and their families from their longtime home to the lifestyle that they deserve. I am your host, Chris Essenberg, and I am joined yet again, of course, by senior real estate specialist. You know him, you love him. He's also an author, Bruce Nemovitz. How are you doing, Bruce?
1: I'm doing great, Chris.
0: Now, now, Bruce, as you know, I, I'm always I've been a someone that loves comedy, and and I was actually reading a book about the history of Saturday Night Live, something that is near and dear to my heart, and a famous quote from Lauren Michaels uh, is about you know basically about the nature of comedy. I know that's not why we're here today, but I, I gotta just bring this up. So. Lauren Michaels, uh, the producer of Saturday Night Live. Uh, So I was reading this book and Lauren said, uh, was talking about the secret to comedy. And so I'll I'll go through this exercise with you really quickly, Bruce. Uh, He said, well, ask me, what's the secret to uh, good comedy? So Bruce, could could you do that really quick? Could you ask me that?
1: Chris, what are the secrets to good comedy?
0: Timing, timing, (laughs) and that's it, timing. (laughs) of course was his point, timing is everything. And that's not just uh, of course with comedy, that's also with so many things, stuff that we're dealing with in our podcasts uh, so far, and that we're definitely dealing with in our podcast today. Um, When we're gonna talk about some financial aspects to everything. And I know that uh, looking at the stock market, uh, where it was at the beginning of the pandemic, what happened to it, where it's gone since then, Timing has been so important. I know that there were so many people uh, that, you know, when we were in March or April of 2020, they made that move. They said, okay, you know what? The timing is now to get out because, oh my gosh, look, it's it's a free fall. This is bad. Uh, things are not going well. Uh, now, Bruce, were you in that situation? Uh, you know, we were talking before this. Uh, what? what where, where were you when that happened from a stock market perspective in April of 2020?
1: I was where many of my clients are, and I counsel them. I was in fear. and I did actually let it overtake me and I did sell um, a good amount of stock at that time. I think it was somewhere in the middle of March and the person that I dealt with told me I was making a mistake. Of course, I knew better. Turned out I made a huge mistake <laughs> and then did, uh, Re enter the stock market, thankfully, at the right time. But, um, you know, I, I always hear about, geez, I want to be lucky. And I was told a long time ago that the definition of luck is when preparedness meets opportunity. I know that luck can come into financial planning and, and our savings and that type of thing. But I think it's more important to get all the information so that you don't make a stupid mistake like I did. Without having
0: the right information. And, you know, having someone to guide you through that process so you don't have to rely on luck and you don't have to be driven by fear. That brings us to our guest today. Our guest today has been in the world of finance and accounting for over 20 years. Uh, she's been a CPA professional since 2003. She's earned her CFP, that's Certified Financial Planner Certification, in 2018. She's a wealth advisor currently for Ellen Becker Investment, and she is Ann Mank. Ann, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
2: I'm well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I think this is an awesome podcast, and I think it really is going to help a lot of individuals who might not have the information they need to make a lot of really big decisions at this point in their life.
0: So now, Anne, you're a wealth advisor. Uh, I know that you've worked specifically with seniors that are in a position of needing to downsize. And you're, of course, dealing with that from a financial perspective. So, um, I guess as a great place to start, I know in previous podcast episodes, we've talked about downsizing as it relates to, you know, downsizing your stuff and uh, and dealing with it from that aspect. But uh, based on your experience uh, in the in the financial field, how can a person downsize and from a financial perspective?
2: Right. And when we talk about this, it's not necessarily downsizing their assets. Like we don't want them to lose their money in this process. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, I don't want to do that. Oh, I want to downsize my 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 finances. That sounds, right. that sounds bad. That sounds right. like almost what Bruce did in, in this last spring, but luckily right. he got out of that. So we don't want to do that. We're not nope. talking about that.
2: Nope, no, nope, that's not what we're talking about. But I think it is also some, something that is usually overlooked, especially when they're downsizing their home. And so what I mean by downsizing their finances is really how do you simplify your finances? How do you make it easy for those that might have to take responsibility for your finances down the road? And how do you even make it easier for yourself? And so when you're downsizing your finances, what we really talk about is how do you downsize the number of bank accounts you might have? How do you downsize the number of brokerage homes and broker and dealer that you deal with? Um, How do you downsize the number of kind of hands in the financial pots? Um, And that's one thing that most seniors don't look at. When we do our seminars for downsizing, we talk about the stuff like what do you do in the home and what do you do with the things that the kids might not want (laughs) to pass down and you might not want. But then we also talk about downsizing. And a lot of that either comes to estate planning or it comes down to just the number of different accounts and assets that you have. And so the one place we would say to start is, is there someone in your family, either a sibling or maybe one of your kids that you would like to start bringing on board so that they understand what you have and where it is. And if they need to take over for you, they have the ability to do that.
0: Sure. So finding like finding that point person, whoever, and like you said, could be a sibling, could be a a, a child, uh, to kind of bring them into the fold, understand what's going on, and then kind of starting to to work with them uh, on this uh, on this transitional process.
2: Right, right. Because there's a lot of times that when. So let's say mom passes away, dad is already passed, and now you have the child coming into our offices. A lot of times what happens is they will bring a box into our office that has hundreds and hundreds of pieces of paper in there. And so we will spend hours going through, does this life insurance still active? Where are your assets held? And what we want to do is mitigate that so that when your children have to take over for you, whether you ask them to, whether you become incapacitated or you do pass away, that it's a really easy transition, and that's where we see individuals, they just don't want to talk about, they don't want to talk about mom and dad dying, they don't want to talk about money, and so you put those two things together, and a lot of times individuals will put blinders up and just say, we'll deal with it when we have to deal with it.
0: You know, and that's a a theme that we have talked about a lot on this podcast is the procrastination that occurs uh, during this whole transitional process. And it makes perfect sense. Who wants to talk about this stuff? Who wants to approach it? It's very, very difficult. However, uh, having a plan in place, and this can be years down the line. I mean, we can talk. We can get this plan set up with no intention of having to act on it anytime soon, but just having that plan there so that we're not in a situation where all of a sudden we find ourselves in crisis mode, which we've which we've talked about in previous episodes, we don't want to be there. That it, it's not something that we want to have to deal with, um, but it is something that's important. And a lot of decisions like that in life, and there's a lot of stuff that we need to be prepared for and... By doing this, we are, you know, showing our loved ones and our family members the best type of support and love by being prepared for that. And Bruce, I know you've had to have seen that quite a bit. Uh, We've talked about it already. And it's something that comes into play very often.
1: Chris, I, I have to say, you know, when I go into a home, especially when I'm dealing with, say, the baby boomer generation and mom or dad is in their home and it, it looks like it may be about time for, for the uh, subject to come up between mom and dad. And as Ann said, nobody wants to bring up the money part, especially
0: between how are we gonna make this move? Where's the money gonna come from? These are really difficult conversations that we have to have. And to have that plan ready to go is something that is ultimately, in my opinion, the most earnest way to show appropriate care and love for those in our family that we truly care about. But that being said, uh, and I'll put myself in this boat, I have no idea how to do it. So many of us are coming from it at that, from that place. You know, I don't know what conversations I should be having with my, uh, you know, whether it's my parents or other loved ones that are transitioning to a new chapter in their life. So, Anne, I know you've got a lot of experience in this. Bruce, of course, you do as well. But I'll ask you, Anne, first, uh, what type of conversations should I be having with uh, my loved ones that are in this you know, position where they're transitioning to uh, a new chapter?
2: So, a lot of times what we actually start with is we just take a step back. And if it helps having someone else, a third party in the room, you know, this is where a financial advisor or a trusted individual, you know, they are priceless. But what we start with is, hey, mom and dad, why don't you just tell me what your philosophy is about money? How did you accumulate what you have? What are some investments that you have liked using? Do you tend to keep your money in the bank or have you invested it? So just start by being curious and just come from a point of view of, well, where are they starting from? It helps the conversation if you know that they have always been terrified of losing every penny. And so they have it in their desk drawer and in you know, the Bible and they have it in the freezer and will only go to the bank. And so really start the conversation from that point of, you know, just tell me about money from your perspective. I'm just curious, I'm interested, I'd like to learn from you. And then the other side of that coin is what you could ask them saying, well, if by any chance I do inherit, not to say that I'm going to inherit, but if I do inherit, what would you hope I do with that money? And that starts to bring out their dreams for you. And that might open the conversation just a little bit more. So they're more willing to talk to you about it. Because if you just come in and you say, well, what do you have and where is it? I mean, nobody, I mean, you're, you know, you put your wall up, you don't want to talk about that. But if you start talking about dreams, philosophies, you know, really appreciate what they've come from and what they've been able to accumulate in their lifetime, it just really is a much better conversation.
0: So coming at it from a place of respect and understanding, I think that's so important. Uh, because yeah, you know, if, if you go about, these are tough sensitive conversations. Uh, and if we go about it the wrong way, it's just, uh, it has the potential to go south.
1: You know, uh, I just want to sort of interrupt here, you know, and you just talked about what I heard you say is make it about them, not about mm-hmm. yourself. And that's what I, I talk about so much is that we as children, and I know my, my mother's 95, and so I've gone through this with her, but we tend to talk in the in the first personal pronoun I, like mom, I'm worried about you. I think you should do this. I, I, I. And what it what they hear is it's all about you, the child, not mm-hmm. about them.
2: Yep, exactly. And it's important to understand that they have, I mean, this is their decision. They've accumulated the assets. They it's for them to use, you know, if they You know, I have some clients I want to run into the grave with a penny in their hand, and that is absolutely their decision to make. And so it's more of understanding, well, what are their wishes and dreams and hopes and where would they like to see their legacy um, after they're no longer here with us? So absolutely, I agree with that, Bruce. We just don't want to run in there saying you're doing this wrong or here's what you should do. Find out. I'm sure they have a plan already. You just need to figure out what that might be.
0: And coming at it from that really like team approach, because I mean, at the end of the day, what bigger team is there than your family, you know? And so like having that bond and making sure you're really, you know, coming at it from a place of love and care, I think is of the utmost importance. Now, something I also wanted to touch upon, I know that there are many people. Uh, it's a great market if you're a seller right now. Uh, of course, we've talked about that on previous episodes. Now, if I want to move, though, let's say that I have you know all these improvements I have to make. Uh, if I live in the Midwest, oh, my basement. That's number one issue for many homes that are being put on the market. Oh, you got to have some uh, improvements made on the basement. Maybe it's the roof. Maybe it's the the gutters. Who, who knows? There's other financial needs that I have before i can actually put my home on the market so i'm a family member and i'm helping you know my mom or my dad or a loved one uh you know make these moves but they're saying well i've got to do all this stuff and you know maybe i've got some money saved away but not you know maybe not enough to potentially make all of the improvements uh and everything that is needed so how do i pay for those i I think that's got to be a question that you're hearing quite often So um, what advice do you have for individuals that are in that situation?
2: My first advice always, when I start hearing clients saying, well, I need to do this, this, and this, is I ask, have you talked to a professional in the real estate industry? That first and foremost, like just like you mentioned that it is a seller's market. Do they need to make all these changes they think they need to make? Do they really need to put new carpet in? Do they really need to have you know, new drapes, whatever it might be. And so that's my first approach is first, find out what you absolutely need to do work with a trained professional really get their advice. Because depending on the market, that's really going to say if you need to put that extra amount in the the house or not. Secondly, if they've talked to professional and they say, Yep, I definitely need to do the roof and replace the furnace. A couple of things you can do is maybe Look at talking to your, um, your financial institution. Is there any way you could get a, um, a home equity line credit to possibly cover that? Maybe you have an investment account, so a non-retirement account. This would be more of a brokerage investment account. You might be able to take a loan against those investments, which means you don't have to sell them. You just get a short-term loan against them and you can keep everything in place and use that as leverage. And then otherwise, it's if it's not that, we don't want to pull from the IRA, if at all possible. Sometimes we do, but that is the absolute last re- resort, is to pull from an IRA. Um, but I know, Bruce, you have some resources as well that individuals could look at to see if there's a possible way of, of structuring this so that they can make that move.
1: Yeah, and you, know, you, you mentioned uh, bridge financing, that kind of thing, and maybe getting a loan against their house, which is technically called a HELOC loan, which is a home equity loan. And that can be done uh, often, though, the, the banks are under some different kinds of pressures these days. And getting a home equity loan is not always as easy as we think because they do tend to look at income. Is there enough income to support the loan that they're getting? and some of the other institutions that are available one of them is called elderlifefinancial.com that's that's the site it's elder life financial and they uh, specialize just in helping uh, older folks uh, get that bridge financing that they need the interest rate is is reasonable and that's just one company but again as you said there's so many different avenues and i think people tend to worry a little too much because there are so many options out there and there really isn't that much money needed. But and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is not only are they worried about, oh my God, I, you know, the house is tired, we have to fix something in the home, but they're also worried about how do I then also have enough money to put down, let's say I'm going to a senior community and they're asking for a chunk of money to put down, Uh, before they move in there and they want to sign with the community first and then sell their home. So how do they navigate that?
2: That's a really difficult situation to be in. And so a lot of times what we're trying to do with our clients is really think about this maybe a year or two before you even think you might be selling your home. Because really what we want to do is plan so that you have as many choices as possible. So find out where you would like to move to. So a lot of times you can work with the home or the apartment complex that you're moving with. If they know that the home is for sale, they might be able to write it into the agreement that the proceeds come to them directly. But a lot of times what I find is that individuals will sit in their home. Um, I have a couple of clients that I'm thinking of in particular where like I know just black and white, they should leave their home, but it has the memories and it has projects they have to do. But I know the longer they stay in there, the worse and worse it's gonna be. And then what's gonna happen is they will no longer have choices. And that really is what I'm trying to give them is as many choices as possible. So plan early, have some trusted either professionals and or family members who can guide you through this. And you know, one thing is when I was talking to my parents about moving out of their home, Uh, my dad had been in the home for uh, 60 years, I think, like in the same block, he moved like one house over when he got married. So for him, it was a very difficult decision to leave his home. But what it came down to was, Dad, do you want me to make the decision for you at some point when you're no longer healthy enough to live here? Or do you want the choice of what you keep in the house what you take with you and where you end up going to. And he ended up choosing the choice. He wanted the choices and he wanted to be able to go through his items, give the things he wanted to give to the people so that he could actually see them receive what he was giving away. And then it was totally his decision and his choice. And he didn't feel like we were trying to control the situation didn't feel like we were overtaking it because we gave him plenty of time to do that and go through things. Um, and he'll still complain that he doesn't like where he lives, but I know <laughs> he's happier because he had at least had a choice.
1: You know, and I just have to say also my own mother and my father, I went through this, I'm in the business and I tried, I begged my father, uh, he had Parkinson's at the time, but he was still out playing a saxophone and didn't do a lot of fun things but I begged them to make that decision like you did with your father. He took your advice. My father uh, did not. He's a very stubborn man, a wonderful man. And my mother ended up in that situation that I tried to tell people to avoid. You know, Now she had to make the move by herself when they could have done it together.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So you mentioned giving uh, giving our parents or our, our loved ones choices as a great way to to help with this entire transition process, and I think you've uh, we've kind of highlighted both ways it can go between between uh, between your parents Dan, and and yours, Bruce. But uh, what are some other ways that uh, individuals out there can help their parents with the transition? Primarily, you know, and what do they need to do financially?
2: So it's important to at least talk to, what we recommend is at least talking to somebody in the legal profession to make sure you have powers of attorney that are up to date and have your wishes assigned to it. Also having the discussion about beneficiaries. So a lot of times, if you have those beneficiaries written out, either on the accounts or you put a trust in place, that will help with any sibling rivalry that might occur because money always makes individuals act a little bit different. Sure. I don't know what it is, but everyone just acts a little bit different when money's on the table. But if the beneficiaries are laid out, there's nothing you can do. It's, it's you know, Tommy gets this, Susie gets this and away you go. So getting that estate plan in place is an important piece of the puzzle.
0: So that really takes a lot of the uh, you know, up for debate stuff out of it. And of course, when, there's, when we're dealing with finances and there's that whole up for debate tag, you know, things can get a little hairy, I think is what you're saying, which makes perfect sense.
2: Yep, and it's another way to just get everything out on the table. Like what does mom and, and dad have? What are they le- leaving to us? Because the other thing that has changed recently is the tax laws. And so as a beneficiary, you now are accepting those inherited assets in a little bit different way. So before, if you would receive an IRA, a Roth, any type of retirement plan from mom and dad when they pass, you could stretch out taking from that account for over your lifetime. So you would just have to take a little bit each year, but it would be over your lifetime. Well, the IRS likes to get their money. And so they recently changed that law. And so now, if you receive assets, so Chris, let's say you received assets from a loved one and it's an IRA.
0: You have (laughs) (laughs) a
2: a million dollars. We're just going to make an Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Oh, guys, I got to (laughs) go. Okay. 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 So So hypothetical,
2: hypothetical. Hypothetical. So here's where the problem comes in. So now you have 10 years to pull a million dollars out of this IRA and it all has to be taxed. So you don't have to take anything out in a particular year, but by the end of that 10th year, it all has to come out. So what we're seeing is that children who have an inheritance, they might both be, let's say they're in their 50s, both really high paying jobs, they no longer have kids, they might've paid off their house so they no longer have any deductibles on their IRS, they can't write anything off. So they're in a very high tax bracket, And now they have an inheritance that they have to take out on top of that high tax bracket. So not only having these conversations will help your parents make sure that what as they're transitioning that everything transitions well and it's all taken care of and that they haven't missed anything, but it's also would help the beneficiary as well so that they could plan for any anticipated inheritance that they might get. Granted it's not guaranteed and that's not what this is about. It really is about doing what mom and dad and what their wishes are. But at the same time, there is going to be a tax consequence for those that inherit. And the sooner you can get in front of that as well, the better.
0: Now, quick question, a little unrelated, but would it matter if, uh, the original IRA was a Roth IRA? Would that mean that I don't have to pay those taxes? Cause the taxes have already been taken out. I'm using some of the information I learned yep. from Sue Sue's Orman <laughs> on some of those podcasts.
2: Yes. So the Roth, it would not have a tax consequence, but you you would have to take it out in 10 years. So that means you would no longer have that tax-free deferral after year 10. So it would have to come out and you would have to put it into your own name at that point. But yep, no taxes that you would have to pay on that amount.
1: Good to know. (laughs) You know, and listening to you, I'm thinking of my own finances, and I may be giving you a call. Oh. <laughs> this podcast. So thank you. You just, this is incredible information.
2: Oh, good, good. I'm trying to keep it simple without, I mean, it's kind of complex, but I'm trying to keep it as simple as I can.
0: Well, you do a great job of that. And I know this stuff can absolutely be way over my head. So I, we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for joining us today. Um, for those listening, though, Anne, where can people, uh, if they, if they want to find out more? Of course, we already mentioned you're a wealth advisor for Ellen Becker Investment Group. If folks want to reach out to you, is there a way that they can do that?
2: Absolutely. So the best place is just to go to our website, EllenBecker.com. You can also shoot me an email. It's Anne with an E at EllenBecker.com. Or you can give our office a phone call. It's 262 691 32
0: Perfect. And we will put that information in the show notes as well so folks can find that. So Anne, uh, again, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
2: Oh, it's been my pleasure. And I love to be a resource for the community and really get this information out there. Um, A lot of times we think of this as something that's scary or something to have anxiety about, and it really doesn't need to be. It's about having the right resources, the right professionals in place, and just really having an open conversation and everything else just falls into place.
0: Having that comprehensive approach. I, I, I completely agree. And speaking of that comprehensive approach... Bruce, you're definitely part of that comprehensive approach for so many. Uh, if folks want to find out more about what you have going on, check out your books, uh, more information, where, where can folks find, uh, find that out for you, Bruce?
1: The best place is to go to my website, and it's brucesteam.com, no apostrophe, brucesteam.com. Just uh, you can give us any question you have, we'll be happy to answer
0: them. Great well thank you again Bruce thanks again Anne and thanks to all of you out there for listening. We would of course love if you could subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any great future episodes. Of course you can find the podcast at Bruce's website He just named it but I'll just I'll name it again It's uh, www.brucesteam.com. com. You can also find us on Apple podcasts spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts so thanks again for listening and please join us next week as we keep you moving in the right direction see you then